Okay, let's talk about your next patient. Okay, this gentleman, uh, very interesting guy. In 2005, at the age of 62, he was found to have a PSA of 8 and proceeded to have a prostate biopsy and had very small volume of Gleason 6 and 7 cancer. I think he said it was one core out of the 12 sampled. And he met with his urologist. He was presented with the options, and he opted to do observation only. And in discussing this with him, it's a little unclear to me if this was his choice, if he was sort of pushed that way by his urologist. But I gather it was more his decision. And unfortunately, he was then lost to follow-up. He had lost his job and admits to being in a period of depression at that time and really wasn't interested in doing anything and just didn't follow up. Unfortunately, this past fall, he presented with new-onset back pain and really diffuse body aches and weakness. And in October 2010, he was found to have a PSA of 266. Uh, Bone scan showed extensive bony metastases. Alkaline phosphatase was over 2,000. So this gentleman was started on Degrelix and bicalutamide as well together in January of 2011. And he had an initial PSA response, his PSA natured at about 46. And I saw him in consultation at this time and started him on zolandronic acid. Because of his pain, he did require some palliative radiation therapy, both to his right femur and his right humerus, which helped control his pain. But unfortunately, by June or so, his PSA started to rise. And with that, he developed increasing pain again in new bony sites, including his back. His bicalutamide was stopped, symptoms persisted, restaging scans again showed extensive bony metastases, and at this point in time, I recommended to him initiation of chemotherapy. I gave him the option to enroll in a trial that we have open, which is the docetaxel plus lenalidomide slash placebo, and he agreed to enroll, and he received his first treatment a few weeks ago. And his back pain is better as of today, and his spirits were as good today as I've seen them. He seemed like since he started the chemotherapy, I get the sense from him that he feels like he's taking more control of his disease and was more optimistic today than I've seen him in a while. What were your impressions of him in this case, Matt? Joe, he was a really interesting man, and he had a considerable amount of regret about his earlier decision to pursue surveillance. Although he really didn't do surveillance, he was non-compliant with medical follow-up. And I think it's a good case to remind us of how much other parts of our patients' lives can impact medical decision-making. So he'd had this major life event where he lost a job of 47 years, was devastated, went into a period of depression, and in that context had this prostate cancer diagnosis, and then was offered the option of doing nothing. And he leapt at that choice, and he went all the way by really even you know not pursuing recommended follow-up. So I think it's a fine example of how other parts of patients' lives can impact medical decision-making. He has a lot of regret about his choices. And although we were tempted to try to go into considerable detail to explain to him that he might have ended up in the same place, even if he had had a prostatectomy at diagnosis, we didn't get too far because he was fully committed to his decision that he would have done a lot better if he had had definitive treatment earlier. But he's certainly a model patient now, very engaged in his care and almost has a new lease on life in fighting his cancer. What's his quality of life like now on the docetaxel, Stacy? Well, he's about two weeks into therapy. The first 
week or so, he had a difficult time. He has diabetes and the steroids that he needed to take sent his sugars really high. And I think it made him feel pretty weak and dizzy. And with some adjustments in his insulin regimen, that's gotten better controlled. I did give him growth factor as I tend to do in most of my patients. And he had some severe bone pain from this. And now he's gotten through the first week or so and those side effects have worn off. He's actually feeling as good as he's felt in a long time with less bone pain and a little bit more energy. So I think actually his quality of life seems better now on the treatment than off of it. I noticed in your write-up you mentioned that, quote, he's telling you that his food tastes funny. Yes. Almost all of the men I treat with the docetaxel, that's probably their main complaint to me long-term is that food loses the taste and they can't enjoy the taste of their favorite foods. And sometimes that gets better, but a lot of times that doesn't get better. And throughout the course of chemotherapy, one of the things that all these men enjoy eating and drinking loses pleasure for them. Matt, what's your observation in terms of that specific issue and what actually is going on that causes it? Neil, I don't think we know the mechanism of action, but it is a common side effect. And I think if you ask the questions carefully, that that's what you'll find. So in many cases, the patients on docetaxel, for example, patients report of decreased appetite isn't so much that they've lost the interest in eating, they've lost the taste sensation. So the mechanism of loss of appetite, in fact, is altered taste sensation. I don't know what the mechanism responsible for that adverse effect is. How do you approach the issue of steroids, Matt, in a patient who, like this one, is an insulin-dependent diabetic? So this man is on a clinical trial, so that has its own special issues, and the rules of the trial would have to be applied. But in a patient receiving standard docetaxel, I would have no problem at all in discontinuing daily steroids. In fact, I would not give him daily steroids. I would give him his decadron premedication on the day of his treatment, but would not give him daily prednisone or decadron. For reasons of compliance, I usually give intravenous, a single dose of intravenous decadron prior to docetaxel. 